Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, we have Dylan and Josh with us. Uh, we're going to discuss NBA because that's gone crazy in the last week. And NFL, we're going to keep going with our division. But like I said, we are going to start with the NBA. We had the draft. And well, the draft was the week before, wasn't it? I apologize. It was the week before. So it's been two weeks since the draft. And free agency started last Thursday, though. And it looks like craziness just went all, all around. Um, Kyrie did sign. Harden did not. And then after Kyrie signed, KD wants out. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, since last week, what's the biggest – oh, sir, this way. What's the biggest free agency signing you've seen? See, I would almost say PJ Tucker is the one that, like, if you're saying free agent signing not being a, a guy signing with his own team. Okay. So, like, you have some yeah. of the extensions. I think the Zion, you know, Zion max extension, pretty big. Obviously, the the Jokic, the Jaw. But Jokic having the highest like in there been, I don't feel like there have been that many – um huge signings of like guys going to different teams um there have been a few interesting pieces of course um you know gary payton going to the blazers i know that was a you know a move that was interesting um but no um i was more saying that to see if i could get a rise out of dylan but it didn't work so um no honestly though i do think pj tucker I think what he brings to the team, the defense, the perimeter shooting, and then honestly, just the mentality. Like Joel Embiid seems to be a guy who is willing to push people to win. You see him calling out teammates some. P.J. Tucker is another one of those guys. And if if Harden truly did opt out to then sign in for a lesser deal, you know that shows he's in to win this year. And I really like the idea of bringing in PJ Tucker, maybe a couple of other small moves. And if you keep Tyrese Maxey as well, yeah, you got. I, I mean, I think that's a big that's a big difference. You got to keep Maxey on this team. This team is, I mean, it's just he's probably one of those electric players. Um, yeah, I was talking with this before Tucker had signed with the Sixers when Harden opted out. I was saying um, they're he's opting out because someone like PJ Tucker. Maybe even Oladipo coming over mm-hmm. there, true, um, would be a good addition to them. And then sign Harden, and then you've got a nice little bench. You've got a nice little starting five. You know, you can look at stuff to go with it. Uh, Dill, what about you? What's the biggest free agency signing you've seen? Are you? Yeah, you, I mean, feel, huh? That you feel so far. Um, so, I mean, if we're not counting trades, which we said we're not. No, we're not. Nope. Just free agents. Um, someone signing. There's a couple, there's a couple deals, uh, that are interesting. I really like the PJ Ducker deal. Um, like, uh, like Josh said, I think that's going to be huge for what they need. They need someone who's physical. I want to see, um, I want to see how that works out because they need a guy who's physical. You can spread the floor for Joel and for, for Harden at this stage in his career. Um, but I like, 
it might sound weird. So I, I'm not going to uh, – I'll mention one other one. I really like – this is just another thing because I know Josh also likes this guy, uh, and it, he went to my my team. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo to the Golden State Warriors. I really like that. I, I hated really like that. <laughs> I hated it. When I saw that – when I saw Gary Payton left, when I saw what Toscano Anderson left, when I saw somebody else left too, I think, and then I saw they got Dante, and I was like, son of a gun. I hate it because he's a Villanova guy. Obviously, I like him. I was so mad. Yeah, I liked that. Um, but one thing I really liked, and I'm really, really intrigued to see what happens with this team this season as a result of all these moves, is Detroit. Um, mm. Detroit, <sighs> I mean, they they drafted Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey. Uh, they had some good picks there. But then they also get um Kemba Walker via trade who's supposed to be by uh, a buyout he's going to be bought yeah, out gonna, but yeah. then but you have Kate Cunningham in his second year you have um who am I who am I forgetting uh you have another guy uh Sadiq Bey had a good season um you have some good role players but then they signed Marvin Bagley and Marvin Bagley's had his ups and downs in in Sacramento but let's be honest who hasn't uh, <laughs> and uh and I think Marvin Bagley alongside of um, Cade Cunningham and what they're going to be able to do with Jaden Ivey, that's going to be a really fun team. Like they might not, they might make a playing game. They maybe make a six seed depending on, or seven, six, six seed and miss the playing. But I think they will be a really fun team. Uh, I think there'll be someone uh, who will be fun to watch. They also got Kevin Knox, a guy that I really liked a few years ago coming out of the draft. I thought he had, I had high potential for him and high hopes, but uh, he hasn't really lived up to that. But that gives you a wing, and wings are super valuable right now uh, in the NBA. So I think what they have um, kind of cooking up with all the things that they have, I think will be really interesting and really, um, really exciting for if you're a Detroit fan. I think that's going to be really fun. So I'm going to go a little weird. And not that it's a great signing, it's more of a questionable signing to me. And not to say that, okay, let me say it this way. Not to say that he's not going to be good. He has potential to be good. Let me start this out like before I even say the name. But Zion getting 193 million. I thought he been, didn't count. Why didn't he count? I thought I, I thought, thought we weren't doing extensions, but that's fine. Go ahead. I said free agency. Well, he wasn't a free agent, but Continue. <laughs> okay. Now, now you lost my. I lost my train of thought here. All right. It's a tough, it's All a right. tough crowd tonight. Tom. All right. No, you're good. No, but I'm just saying with with the the potential that p- the Pelicans that you know ended up with, you know, with CJ McCollum step in that game, like they step once he came on that team, that whole team stepped up. Everything I see for Zion has upside to be there. You know, but, you know, halfway through the season, there were talks of he didn't want to be there. Then he signs 193 million. He's like, let's get, you know, let's, let's start, you know, I'm here to win. Okay. Are you going to play a full season? Are you going to be a team player? And here's the one thing I'm, I'm so tired of. Every time I see Zion Williamson, he's dunking. Take a shot, man. Step three feet away from the basketball, from the from the hoop. Take a shot, please. For $193 million, you better have a better range than, than Shaq did. 
He does. I mean, I, I know he does. Zion, but I'm just saying. I, I, I'm not a huge Zion, but yeah, I mean, I know what you mean though. Every time, but I mean, that's what he's known for. Yes, Zion's known I know. for his his powerful and big dunks and his big blocks and everything like that. But I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't. I unless there's a lot of medical incentives in that deal, I think that's a stupid signing. But and I will say this: um, I'm kind of still curious that Aiton's still out there. Well, he doesn't have a market. He wants a lot of money. He's probably going to be better in a sign-and-trade, which is what Phoenix is trying to do for KD right now. I know, which would lead me to my next topic. Well, hold on. Okay. I I want to say one thing about the Zion thing. I agree. It's overpaying him. But here's my issue. How are you going to get a star or potential star in New Orleans to play with the Pelicans without overpaying them? Oh yeah, for sure. I I get it. Well, it makes it's a small sense. market, like, yeah. The, I, like I, you're you're not going to draw a guy most of the time in free agency that's a big name to New Orleans unless you have a guy like Zion there. So it makes sense. Like I completely get it on a franchise standpoint in terms of trying to attract something, but in terms of like return on investment, he's played what thirty seven percent of his games in three years. Like that's like. That would make me look because like, like I said, as long as if I'm an organization, I'm signing him to like a Joel Embiid max where Joel Embiid had a lot of incentives built into his deal where it was a lot lower base salary, but he earned it based on how much he played. If that's in the deal, hundred percent, you do it a hundred times out of a hundred. I would want there to be some medical incentives, but like, honestly, despite his injuries, hasn't there been talk about like, Oh, the Knicks are going to try to sign him. Oh, he might go here. Oh, he might go there despite the fact he hasn't even been playing. So like now you sign him to this max, hopefully with some medical incentives, right? Maybe in a couple of years, he gets mad. He tries to force his way out a la Anthony Davis. But if you have him under contract, you can demand a King's ransom for him a la Anthony Davis, yeah. where, you know, KD signing that four year extension, which we're about to get into now You've yeah. got like a lot of control, even though the guy might be able to say, Oh, I'm gonna sit out and not play, a la Ben Simmons. Um, still they <laughs> were able to get back James Harden. Like, you know, you're gonna get more of a return than you're like, oh, he's been hurt. Let's not extend him. Now in a couple of years, he walks. So I guess my thing is is like, okay, so I looked it up. Zion has played in three years, he's played a total of 85 games. It's a 70, it's it's he is it. 82 game season. He hasn't even, he just finished one season full of games in three years. And and he's only averaging those, those I are, mean those are healthy Kawhi type numbers. He's averaging yeah. 33 31 minutes a game. Load management. 25 points a game. Let's see, look at this. Uh seven rebounds, three assists, not even a full block a game. Well, there's no doubt that when he plays, he's three great. turnovers a game. He's great. But the thing with Zion is like, how often is he going to play? Because he's the opposite end of the Kyrie debate. Like Zion, <laughs> when he like, he's just injured and he doesn't, he can't play. Yeah. Kyrie, Kyrie just doesn't want to play because know, Kyrie doesn't feel like it that day. I know a lot of people talked about, they were hoping and, and I've, I, when they signed when Zion signed, everybody's sitting there going, the thought process that everybody came up with that I heard on Fox Sport, on FS1 was, 
let's hope he's like Joel Embiid, where Embiid at the beginning of his career had problems staying on the court. And then now he's, you know, he's an MVP caliber player. You got to hope that that's what they're hoping for, but more realistic, Big Baby Davis? Hmm. I mean, Big Baby Davis was never... I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> you know, like I'm saying in a sense of. It's like a souped up V8 version of Big Baby. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Though. It's, it's like, uh, all right. So getting back to it, let's get back on track here. You know, Josh, you did say it, you know, trades have happened too with this free agency going. Um, I do think one of the big ones, uh, Rudy Gobert going to, to Minnesota is just huge. Um, it brings back the big men of let's let's look at an actual big man set game. Um, who, who the heck were the Timberwolves <laughs> bidding against? <laughs> no, I, like what what other team in the uh, NBA was like? Hey, let's give away five first round. Like, you know, well, I I, I don't know. I but, I honestly just. Well, you know, now, now, now with the, you know, Rudy Gobert getting, was it, was it four? Or f- I thought it was four. Did he get four or five? So it was four. Yeah, it was four first rounders. No, it was four first rounders, but one of the players was Walker Kessler, who was a first okay, round. Yeah, this he was a first round. So, yeah. yeah, it was Malik Beasley, Pat Bev, Leandro Belmaro, Walker Kessler, the 22nd pick, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2023 first, a 2025 first, a 2026 pick swap, a 2027 first, a 2029 first. That was the deal. I don't so four first rounders and a player from this year's first round. I forgot where I was when I saw the trade come through, but I almost passed out. I was like, are you joking? Like, I love Rudy Gobert. I was on this podcast a couple months ago saying I would be open to James Wiseman being used to, get, to <laughs> yeah. go get Rudy go, Gobert. Go there. Yeah. But I, like, I'm thankful the Warriors didn't give up that price because imagine if you're Brooklyn and you say, someone calls you and says, hey, I want Katie. You see Rudy Gobert add a couple firsts and a couple <laughs> players. Like, that's where it starts. Like, Rudy Gobert is nowhere close to the level Kevin Durant is. So, and, like, if I'm, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm like, trade? there's no way. Can you even trade more first-rounders than they did because of that rule about, like, every other uh, year or something like that? Yeah, I think you can only trade up to, like, maybe six, five or six. Five or six. Because they have different rules. And if you traded if, if you traded first so many times, you can't trade a first for a certain amount. of. They have a bunch of weird rules in the NBA for trading. But, <laughs> but like, the team that has the most to offer is a, t- a team like Toronto. Toronto yes. can offer, I think, up to six firsts, five or six firsts uh, and stuff. And if I'm if I'm Brooklyn, give me Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Give me like uh, Scotty. It starts with Scotty Barnes. Yeah. And a couple yeah. firsts. But okay, so here's my question. I, I know the Raptors are pretty much who have the most to offer. But like we were talking about, you know, earlier in this in this episode. Sign and trade with Aiton. You're putting KD, CP3, and Booker together. Are you throwing in, like, let's say if you throw in, like, Aiton, Crowder, and, like, five firsts. Is that enough? Because, I'm sorry, 
It, I'll be honest with you. If they do this, in all honesty, Brooklyn will be the team of jokes because every time they start getting good, they get rid of those teams, that player. Because let's remember, forget, what did the Boston Celtics get to get KD and Paul Pierce? KG, not KD. Or KG, I'm sorry. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. They, I mean, they gave up a lot, and then that that turned that, into Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum Jalen Brown. Yeah. I mean, but but I honestly, so if I'm if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not sending Deion, I'm not sending KD to to Phoenix without Devin Booker. You can't like, like I that's that's where it starts for me. If they say no, well then okay, you're not getting Kevin Durant. Like that's oh, just is- that's just because like you can get DeAndre Ayton, but Ayton's not like Joel Embiid. If Ayton was more like Joel Embiid. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Not that, uh, or like maybe you get Cam Johnson or Michael Bridges, who are good pieces, but I don't see either of them having a top 15 potential in the NBA. Like, I think they're going to be solid, solid above, like potentially Cam Johnson has all star potential, like one or two or three all star yeah. games and is, but like he's not a perennial all star. Like you need to get a perennial all-star caliber but, player, a Scotty Barnes, a Devin Booker, uh, mm-hmm. something like that in order to let go of Kevin Durant. Otherwise, if I'm Brooklyn, I say, Katie, I understand you want to go somewhere. You can, we're not trading you without getting what we want. And you can either play for us to start the season or you can sit out either way. Like we're, so, we're not letting you go until so, we get what we want. You know what I think is interesting. And if the site that I just looked up quickly, and if my math was correct, do you know who has 15 first round picks between now and the 2029 draft? Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. Who who has the draft picks? Uh, like honestly, so the the Raptors do have an enticing proposal. I don't see the Suns like he wants the Suns or the Heat because he wants to go to one of the number one seeds because that's who Kevin Durant is. But forget that. Um, you know. Anyway, I'm not even going to go down that. Yeah, let's, I was just say with my other yeah, point. Keep, keep um, going. The the Raptors have an interesting proposal, but then I think two of the most interesting slash feasible proposals could come from Oklahoma City, or, and I don't think it would ever happen, but Golden State. No, Chris brought this up when we were pl- when, the other day when we were talking, and I was. I've heard that it's the the Gold State has talked about it, and they've internally like I think have conversations. They might have even have talked to Brooklyn, but the 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 hype around Golden State being able to like they have Golden State hands down is the best package to offer hands down. There's no like like Oklahoma City can offer you a bunch of picks, but they can't offer you many tangible players without ruining their team. Chet Holmgren or Shot Shea or or something like that. Golden State can offer you Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, uh, Moses Moody. Uh, like we can, and then, and then also a bunch, a couple first. Uh, but the Golden State has talked so much about the infusion of young talent, keeping the dynasty going. I don't think they're willing to give up as much as Brooklyn would want in order to get Kevin Durant, uh, in order to maybe win one or two more championships, especially after just winning the title without Kevin Durant and everyone and, and, and all the things that uh, staffing Dre were saying, like, who, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? And so for them to say that and then say, Hey, Katie, come back. Like, like so, well, 
But I mean, it's a realistic option. Like I'm preparing myself for it to say Golden State trade for Kevin Durant and me to put my feet in my like I'm not. I will honestly refuse to look at the trade offer for a while if that happens because I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see who we would have given up. I mean, I wouldn't hate it because I mean that would mean we're probably going to be really high up in in terms of winning. Like if it involved, I'll say this: if it involved not Jonathan Kaminga and not Jordan Poole, if it was like Andrew Wiggins. James Wiseman, Moses Moody, and a couple firsts or like and whatnot, done. I don't care. I want to keep Kaminga and I want to keep Jordan Poole. Those are the two guys I really want to keep. So I heard this this morning on my way into work, and I believe it was Jay Will, uh, Jay Will at ESPN saying it. If I'm the GM of the Nets at this point, because nobody's going to give up a King's ransom, which is basically what you got to get for KD alone. And that's not even counting that Kyrie's going to want to go right after. Would it be better if he just walks up to KD and goes, listen, you haven't played a full season. Kyrie hasn't played a full season. Let's run one season where you guys go all in. If you want out next year, we'll figure it out. I'll find some way to get you going. Does it make sense to everybody? Yes. The only person it doesn't make sense to is the person who asked for a trade. Which I don't get after his guy got signed. He just didn't get signed long term. But KD knows what everyone else knows. You can't rely on Kyrie Irving. You just can't. And so I think that's that's where he's at. He just knows he can't rely on him, and he wants to go somewhere I think, else. I really hope – I really want Brooklyn to be petty. I really want Brooklyn to be petty towards Kyrie and send him to, like, some trash team, just some terrible, awful team. Orlando? Just, I don't care where he goes. It's just <laughs> awful. Not, not to I, be, don't want, I feel bad for I don't Orlando. Want but... him, I don't want him – I don't want the Lakers to get bailed Houston? out of a stupid trade for Russell Westbrook that everybody and their mother knew was a terrible trade last year. And then them get bailed out because Brooklyn's willing to take Russell Westbrook. Like that is ridiculous to me. That would, I would be so infuriated because (laughs) it would bail them out for doing a stupid trade. Because let me tell you, if Los Angeles would have made the other trade where they could have gotten buddy healed, things like that, they would have been amazing. DeMar, they would have signed, they could have signed DeMar and traded and traded to get Buddy Buddy Hill and all that would be a oh my goodness, that would be an amazing team, but they didn't. And so, I don't want them to get bailed out by Kyrie Irving. But granted, what would make it even sweeter is Kyrie going there and then Kyrie saying halfway through this is, you know what, guys, I'm gonna take a a couple months off, I'm gonna take a little bit off. I need a break, yeah, but that would also be his body shows up at LeBron's compound. Because yeah. LeBron, <laughs> LeBron is no KD. That's he, that's true. Like LeBron won't have KD. that one. The last and time I'm, I'm Kyrie torn. was reliable was in Cleveland. Well, see, I'm torn because I like LeBron. I don't like Kyrie. But honestly, if Le, if Kyrie would get traded for Westbrook, and then you've got Kyrie, Davis. LeBron, and Anthony Davis, if Davis that's is really healthy, good. like. Man, and if LeBron if LeBron manages Kyrie the way Kevin Durant refused to. Yeah. 
the Lakers team could be competitive. I'm not saying championship favorite. I'm saying competitive. I I said I think this. They would be, I think they would be a championship level team at that level. I mean, you're adding a you're adding a couple of good depth pieces. Lonnie Walker, Damian Jones, uh, Troy Brown, Juan Toscano Anderson. You have good depth Tom, pieces. Thomas Bryan is a nice buy low candidate. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, he's a solid rotation player and whatnot. And so you add him in, like, that's a solid three. Like, I mean, you're taking – granted, LeBron's at the later stages of his career, but you're taking yeah. the Cleveland big three and shooting a freaking syri- – like a, a juice up on Kevin Love when you're adding Anthony da- a healthy Anthony Davis. And and so I think that's a, a really good big three, and they would be championship contender. And that's why I don't want them to go there, not because I'm scared of them or anything, but I just don't want LeBron to get bailed out for a stupid GM move last year. Uh, when he could have had such a better team, like it baffles and then, and then me. Kyrie how how a championship and talk about what normal people do? Yeah, I I want to know what what like I I really want to go into the mind of LeBron James last year when they said, "Hey, do you want to sign Demar Derozan and trade for Buddy Heald, or do you want to go sign trade for Russell Westbrook?" And he said, "Go get me Russ." Like that's what I, I want to know. What went through his mind? That's all I want to know. I wonder how much of it how much of it has to do with LeBron's loyalty. Like a Russ lot of it one, because I mean like Russ is one of his boys and if you look at LeBron like him or hate him LeBron helps his guys out. Like you see it with his whole crew, you know, like LeBron carries people with him and and he, you know, obviously they have to do work his agent, you know, like but LeBron helps people out and you wonder how much, like, I wonder how much he's looking at Russ. Everybody is saying Russ doesn't have a championship. You look at Stephen A, Stephen A talking about how Russ didn't win a championship. And LeBron is like, bring him here. He's going to be enough. We can win this championship and I'm going to get my boy a championship. Kind of like when he brought in Carmelo, the ghost of Carmelo, the skeleton of Carmelo, whatever exactly that was. I don't know. Um, and I mean, I, I agree. It was a terrible decision. Absolutely terrible. But honestly, the only way that I make it make sense in my head was LeBron being loyal to one of his boys. So I heard this on Tuesday. No, Monday. I was at the gym and I heard this. And I want to ask this before we, we, we move on to our break and, and then go into the NFL. It said, this was the quote on ESPN. What star needs to have KD to be the Robin? And you went from KD is one of the best players in the game today to now he is solidified as Robin. Not Batman. Not two Batmans. No. Robin. I don't think that I don't think KD is a Robin. I think he's still a Batman. I still do too, but this is what I was saying on on Sports Center. Man, I have trouble calling him a Batman. I don't know that I'd call him a Robin. Nightwing. Like, I don't know. Maybe like a Superman if uh, leading was Kryptonite, because um, you know homeboy <laughs> can't lead worth a dang. Um, I mean, in basketball terms, like in bat, like like he's the best player on the team. Are his kryptonite? Um, yes, they are. They are. He dodges yeah, those things like a bad habit. Yeah. No. Like I see that, and that's the thing. Like I understand. Put him on a court. 
even on a court, though, he's not a huge leader. He's a scorer. He, he's a baller. Yeah. He's not a leader, not even on the court, let alone off the court. You know, he, he's, he's going to be responding to people on Twitter. He's not leading. And like when I think of Batman's, I, I mean, I think of Joel Embiid. And I think of him calling Harden out publicly. That's, that's true. You know, I, I think of Steph Curry as a Batman. I think of LeBron as a Batman. I don't think of KD as a Batman. Like, because to me, you know, Batman leads Robin. Batman leads Alfred. Batman's a leader. Yeah. He He's Batman not, leads the Justice he, League. KD's not a leader? No. I agree. Okay. With that, we will take our break, uh, and we'll be back, and we're going to talk the AFC East. We talked the NFC East last week and see how the AFC East is looking at this year. All right, be right back. Hey, guys, we're back, and we're going to start, uh, like we've been doing the division roundup, we're going to go with the AFC East this week, did the NFC East last week, and there has been some things going on in the NFL, but nothing major except for today. Baker Mayfield trade. Um, we'll get to that when we do the AFC North, maybe the NFC South, because they're both involved. Um, but we're going to go with the AFC East, which is Dylan's second favorite division, which I don't know if it's really his second favorite. I almost want to say it's his first favorite. I just don't think – I think he's got loyalties in too much. But we'll get there. You're probably right. We'll, we'll get there. All right. First off, we're going to start with um, Josh, from worst to first, let's rank your team. Let's rank the AFC East. Yeah, so uh, I know Chris isn't on with us tonight. He nope. sent his in. And honestly, I think I agree with him. I'm really? Bit, yeah. No, I first place, def, you know, definitive um beyond yeah that, uh, beyond that's complex okay um i i just he, okay i just couldn't put for number two there there's one team that i feel like is the consistent last place team in the afc east and i know i know i'm believing in them too much okay i know i am i but starting with last i'm gonna go ahead and put miami dolphins last um, we'll get into why exactly yeah. I, they could surprise me. They could be second, but I'm okay. going to go ahead and put them last. I just, I'll believe some of that when I see it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put the new England Patriots at third because honestly, because like they didn't really do anything to address their wide receivers. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. Know, we'll, getting we'll, Devonte Parker is not enough. They're going to be in third. The jets did everything to address wide receivers, to address everything. Um, and I just believe, and they're going to burn me. Like, they will. I understand that. They're probably going to be last. At best, they're going to be third. But I'm putting them second right now. And then Buffalo Bills, number one. Okay. All right. So that is the exact same as Chris's, who is not on. So, Dill, what do you have from worst to first? <clears throat> I am actually the same. So I Ooh. I have the Jets as the the so I'm Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, Bills. Um 
we'll dive into why and all that. Um, I think the Dolphins. Uh, I I am maybe it's a bias of mine. I'm not a big Tyree Hill fan, uh, but I don't think they really improved their team a whole lot. Um, I, enough running backs I, too. I, I do like Mike McDaniel. And I do like Tua, but I don't know outside of them if they like adding Tyreek seems a little redundant to me. So I think they're they're about a six win team to me. I, I have them finishing six and eleven. I have uh, New England finishing eight and nine. Uh, we'll talk about some of the question marks around New England. The Jets, I think, had the, probably the best offseason. Uh, a lot of this is projection. I think me, Chris, and Josh would all agree. It's projection of Zach Wilson taking a step. And I think mm-hmm. the Jets are a 9-10 nine, nine to win team. I think I see them a lot like Cincinnati last year, a team that went from – essentially worse to, to being for i don't i'm not going to say they're going to the super bowl like not saying that at all but i think they're a team that could take a huge leap forward uh and then i got buffalo being a 13 and 4 14 and 3 team this year because i think they're just going to go on a they're just going to try to destroy every team that they play okay i'm having difficulty with one thing and with this list, I still have the bills and the jets at one and two, but part of me wants to switch the Patriots and the dolphins. And I say that I'm not saying look, Bill Belichick's still the greatest coach, you know, but it, it, we'll get into why I think the Patriots are having issues Josh, you kind of reached it is, you know, you know, y'all both said it, Devontae Parker being the, the number one. Um, I think the Dolphins are a pretty good team. I still think that they're going to be, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like the Patriots and the Dolphins are both maybe seven and 10. And just because of, you know, the Patriots losing the Dolphins twice or something like that, it'll be that way. I, I just don't see it being as far off as you guys do. Um, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I do have the Bills as the number one. I didn't uh, say I could see the Dolphins being second. Right. I know. Get out of here with that far off stuff. Well, you guys were like. No, I was. Well, I was okay. I'll say that way in the and Chris. And yeah. So, all right. So we're going to start off with. Because everybody else besides me has Miami. I mean, I like I said, I have them right there. Okay, we're gonna start off with Miami. We're gonna go from worst to first. So, Dylan, I'm gonna start with you. I kind of want to ask you this other question, but I already know your feelings on it, so I'm gonna ask this to Josh and it's after this. Is Tua the real deal starting quarterback for this team? Sorry, you froze, but I know what you're asking. I know you're asking. Yeah, is Uh, is Tua the real deal? Is he he the starting quarterback for this team? I think Tua is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think Tua is a a good, solid, above-average starting quarterback. Do I ever think he'll be an elite-level talent and, like, a top seven quarterback in the NFL? No. But I think he can be a top 12, top 13 quarterback in the NFL for for most of his career. Um, with with flashes being in the top 10. Um, I think people talking about Tua not being able to push the ball down the field, like go watch Alabama tape. Like 
Duke can push the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, and and two is super accurate. He's really accurate. I want to see him make a jump in terms of reading uh, defenses and, and and making going through reads. He plays a lot of RPO. Uh, and so I want to see what what he can do, kind of reading out a field, reading out some reads. But I like Tua a lot. I like his um, poise. I like just his personality. Tua's a really fun, fun guy, laid back. Um, uh, and so I really like him. I think he could be a really good starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he should be a franchise quarterback. Um, he's. Do you think he should get but, paid like a friend, like like? I mean, if you were asking me right now, like if he was up for an extension, I'd say he's probably a thirty to thirty-five million dollar quarterback. Okay. Um, and, uh, and what? Not Patrick but, Mahomes' money, more like. Oh no, he's. I, I don't even think he's Derek Carr money or or whatnot. He's he's around. He's like Kirk Cousins level. I was about to say Kirk he's Cousins Kirk. is like Kirk is like thirty-seven million. I'd pay yeah. Tua probably thirty-five-ish million. Um, but. I, I think Tua has developmental – he has things he still needs to develop. He missed – I mean, we got to remember, dude had a traumatic hip injury in his last season at Alabama, and right. he came into the season. He didn't really have a full offseason to work out, to prepare, and he still won eight games. Like, he was still solid. And then last year, he was solid. He had some injury stuff last year, but he was solid. And then pretty accurate, too. Yeah, he's an accurate quarterback. He does what he's supposed to do. Um, and so I think he's – this year, I wouldn't be shocked if Tua – like, so I put him last, but I wouldn't be shocked. That doesn't mean I don't think the rest of the team is good around him, but I wouldn't be shocked if Tua throws for 3,800-plus yards, 25 touchdowns, and less than 10 interceptions. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all uh, if he does something like that. But All right. All right. Josh? Look, Jalen Waddle burst on the scene last year. I mean, he was a good he was a good receiver coming out of Alabama, but they didn't expect him to be as good as he he burst out with that with Tua last year in Miami. Offseason, they picked up Tyreek Hill. We've we've, we've mentioned him a couple of times. Is that going to hurt Waddle, or is the, or does Tyreek and Jalen become a duo? That's see, I know you know. If Tua puts up the stats that Dylan just threw out there, I think everybody's going to be doing okay. Um, <laughs> plus, I mean, like Tua, you know, Dylan mentioned Tua's super accurate. I've heard some people say he's more accurate than Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know if that's <laughs> Who true that? or not. Who is that that um, said that? You know, just, just a guy who's now playing with both. Just play, um, yeah. Yeah. No, so here's the thing. Um, will Tyreek hurt Jalen Waddle target share wise? Yes, oh, I yeah. believe so. Because last year, Tyreek Hill got 159 targets and complained that he didn't get targeted enough, okay? So 159. Jalen Waddle got targeted 140 times. Not that far off. Um, I think reception-wise, Tyreek was 111 and Waddle was maybe 104. Um, But you have 159 and not enough, according to him, and 140. So right there is what? 299 yeah and Tua only threw 388 passes so you're well, Mike, probably Mike not gonna he's... have 300 uh, 300 targets between your two players uh, or Mike, when Mike your quarterback is... only threw 388 times yeah, exactly. so I will add he missed four games last year so that that, that that's true with this token, okay that's so. fair that's fair good point um but 
Target share wise, I think it will hurt Jalen Waddle. Production wise, I'm not sure how much. Because right. who who was running routes with Jalen Waddle last year? Devontae Parker a little bit when he was healthy. I, I'm a big Mike Gesicki guy because Gesicki went to Penn State and I'm a homer to the core. So, um, but I do think Gesicki's a solid tight end. But now you're going to have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle out there. I think it is going to hurt his production some. You know, it, is it going to hurt Darren Waller that they now have Devontae Adams? Yeah, like, of course, you know, but as much it's going to decrease targets it may not dec- decrease production as much as we think because all of a sudden, instead of Waddle being double teamed, they're going to have to double team Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And then sure. all of a sudden more openings. Plus if they're bringing over this San Francisco scheme, both guys can fit into the Debo Samuel role pretty well. And so I think they're going to scheme a lot open for him. There are going to be a lot of shorter passes, a lot of those types of things that is honestly what Tua excels at. And then good grief, if I'm a defense and I'm thinking about having to chase down either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle in the open field, it's a mess. And so I think I think Jalen Waddle is still going to have enough. Um, it's the second year. I'd expect a little bit of a boost in production. Sometimes there's a second year drop off because defenses adjust. Right. But guess what? Defenses are not going to adjust to Jalen Waddle when they just added Tyreek Hill to the mix. So will it hurt him? Perhaps some, but I don't think as much as some people think. Well, you, you brought up that they're bringing in like that San Francisco, you know, scheme, you know, that's because they just got, you know, a new coach, Mike McDaniel. And Dill, you talked about him earlier. What do you think is the expectations of Mike McDaniel coming into this season with I, and I'm not saying that like, you know, like we've talked about, this isn't a great team, but they have a lot of big names that, that he's got to put together. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I like Mike McDaniel. He's a he's a really interesting guy. He's really an interesting coach. Like like just his personality type. Like he's just a really interesting dude. Uh, but. I like him. I think he like. I mean, you saw what he did with San Fran- in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, uh, and we all want to praise Kyle Shanahan. But Mike McDaniel had a huge influence on that offense as well. And so all the praise that we throw to Kyle Shanahan, some of it's got to go to Mike McDaniel. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what he comes up with offensively. Uh, he has the built-in excuse if Tua doesn't work, well, this wasn't my quarterback, uh, and then he can go get his he can go get a guy uh, that he wants, but. I think Mike McDaniel will show that he's a good offensive mind and that he can, he can rally a team and he can kind of be that, like he kind of reminds me of an awkward Steve Kerr, like a really people friendly people, like t- like player friendly coach and like a guy who just chills and uh, he just kind of relaxes. He's just like kind of a, a dude's dude. Uh, and so he kind of reminds me of a really awkward personality of Steve Kerr. But um, I think he'll be really good. I think he'll be a good coach. I think his his uh, potential is year two and three, not this year. Uh, I think they need to get a, a, a number one. Because So I don't like Tyreek. I just don't like his size. Like, they just don't have a big guy to go 
get like to go get a ball. Like if you got to go win a like a, a big X receiver, a Mike ball. Evans, a Mike Evans, a, a Devontae Adams, uh DeAndre Hopkins, like not that level, but you just don't have a big guy that's like a reliable weapon that can do stuff. Like you have a bunch of small well Gasecki in the as a tight end, but like you're not stick like I don't know. But I mean you have Cedric Wilson Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, they just seem a lot, a little redundant. But yeah. like, like Josh said, like they're going to be schemed open, they're going to be moved around a lot, and you're going to have to account for all, all of them at every moment. You're going to have to know where they are, what, and what, and be ready for them. Right. Well, I am, I am intrigued because Gasicki, he's six six two forty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm intrigued because obviously George Kittle, now we've got Gasicki and they do move him around as a wide receiver. Some, he is that bigger red zone target yeah. that I agree. They're lacking a good target for, you know, their end zone to the 20 yard line. But then from the red zone, I think Gasicki can fill that bill. And, you know, like I know McDaniel wasn't the majority candidate, but I think he's a really interesting option here where they bring him in you already see him bringing in like a ton of surplus running backs including Raheem Mostert which if Mostert with if Mostert can stay healthy like I think he's gonna do well I hope Chase Edmonds does well but it's it honestly looks a little bit like the 49ers running back group where they have just a a surplus of options and so I'm intrigued to see if he really tries to to make it a full 49ers i'm done you guys are worried all right so we're gonna switch from miami um i i like i said i think that they have a bit of an upside they could surprise i don't think they're like anywhere near like buffalo buffalo's got this on lock but the other team is uh the new england patriots we're gonna go there um dylan i'm gonna start with you is Devontae Parker? Is Devontae Parker? They went out and got him. Is he a true number one? No. I mean, what do we not know about uh, Devontae Parker? What six years into his career that we didn't know before? Uh, he doesn't stay healthy. He's when he's healthy, he's not a bad player. Uh, but. Like, what do we not know? He's, he's, he's 29. It's not like he's going to have this big resurgence where he ends up being like a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's just not a guy who's reliable, who, who can you be, de- he's only had two seasons where he's had over a hundred targets. He's his like, I mean, he had one really good year. We had 1200 yards and, and nine touchdowns, but that's a far cry from what he's at now. I mean, it gives it gives them another body, but it doesn't answer the question of do is there a number one in New England that Mac Jones can throw to? And the number one last year was Kendrick Bourne, who's a solid receiver. But if Kendrick Bourne's your number one receiver, heck, if Devontae Parker's your number one receiver, you've got problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and, I... and so I like, no, he's not a number one. They 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 don't know what they're doing. That if there's one knock on Bill Belichick, dude does not know how to scout a wide receiver. No. Like he has no luck unless. No, I'm not gonna say. It. Never mind. Go. Uh, all right. uh, hey, Josh, I got a question for you. Yeah. And and, and I, I'll buy dinner next time if you can answer this. Next time we see each other, who's the OC for um, the New England Patriots? 
So currently, nobody. But there's some talk of Bill Belichick being the offensive coordinator as well as the head coach. So that's intriguing. Then you could also take a couple of failed defensive-minded head coaches. You know, actually, no. One failed defensive-minded head coach and one failed former special teams head coach and say, hey, why don't you guys who totally messed up quarterback rooms in either Detroit or New York, why don't you come in and try to handle Mac Jones? And, and, and if, if that's the case, how well is Mac Jones going to have in year two? Honestly, I feel bad for Mac Jones. I feel bad for him. Um, I saw he's in great shape. Apparently he's not eating like me. Uh, he's doing well for himself. <laughs> Dropped down a lot of weight. He's probably going to have to because looking at his team. He's going to be running a lot. Going. He's like, going to be running a lot. Gosh, looking at their wide receiver core, you know, they're, they're like, it kills me. Um, they don't, they don't have much. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do offensively. You know, the running backs are not bad. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are not bad. Tight ends, about the only thing you've got. Um, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, sure. they, they might be able to go out and, you know, throw some punches or, or something. But the rest of the guys are just not – like, you have no offensive coordinator and you don't really have skill position players. And then you're like, hey, Mac Jones, go out and do this. And honestly, Mac Jones might be okay. He might be able to maintain what he did last year. Honestly, I like the kid. I think he's smart. He might even do a little bit better than last year. But, like, you can't have super high expectations of a guy when he loses his offensive coordinator, who I think was a quality offensive coordinator. I think Josh McDaniels is a yes, good he, offensive coordinator. I think he'd be a good head. I think now, this this would be a good opportunity from him. Like, does Mac Jones have to be his own offensive coordinator? Because that's be. pretty much what I'm seeing. They don't have wide receivers. They've got two solid tight ends. But they traded away their left guard or right guard, whichever one he was, gave him away to the Buccaneers. So Yeah, we took, for a, it. we took him for but a like, bag of chips, baby. Their offense is a mess. I just don't understand it, and I, I just don't know. Yeah, I would, I would almost bet that um, – that Mac Jones is essentially the offensive coordinator and that you could, I mean, really honestly put Joe judge, you could put Joe judge and Matt Patricia in cheerleaders uniforms. And that's all they're going to do all season. Go Mac, go, 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 good job. Good job. Yay. Matt good. Patricia is in a cheerleaders uniform. I'm not turning that TV on. Nope. Yeah. Be in but, the middle but, of December. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Bill is, gonna bank on himself and mac jones running that offense and it just i i could see i see mac being a, a, the same quarterback like josh and maybe a little bit higher like he might do a little bit better but i mean you're not helping him out when you're going from one of the best ocs in the nfl to no one to ocs with half a brain combined time yeah, multiplied yeah. by two so I saw a thing. Um, is it Brian or Steven that's his kid that's in uh, it works? Steve. Steve. Okay. I saw one that it was like Steven's going to be the OC. And I was like, oh, that's going to go over well. Um, so, Dill. So, basically, so, you know, our conversation has been that um, this offense is not going to look that great this season. Um, what do you think that's going to do for their defense? 
Uh, I mean, it's Bill Belichick defense. I mean, they're they're always solid. They're always really good. Um, I think they'll be the same. I mean, you have Matt Judon, who's a who's a really good um, pass rusher. You've got um, Christian Barmore, who I expect to step up and have a a better season than he did last year. Um, I mean, they have a solid team on defense. I mean, their defense is. I wouldn't say championship worthy, but it's definitely playoff worthy. Um, I thought they, the, the Jabril's the Jabril si- Peppers signing really intrigued me. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, I think Jabril Peppers uh, being able to use him in multiple roles because uh, he's kind of a you can play him at linebacker, you can play him at safety, you can slide him out. I think in the slot and play, and cover guys in the slot. Um, so having that, uh, so I I think they're gonna have a solid defense and they're gonna mm-hmm. keep themselves in the game. It's, I mean, a lot of Patriots games are probably going to be 24, 21, 23, like low 20s, high teens. Like, I don't see the Patriots dropping a 40 piece multiple times this year. Um, I don't, but, but I also don't see them getting a 40 piece put on them often, okay. um, if at all. So I think they have a solid team, solid defense, um, but we'll see what happens in the future. All right. So we're going to switch to the number basically everybody's number two team in this division. And Josh, I got one for you. This past draft, we, you know, sauce Gardner went to the jets. They had a pretty good solid defense and the head coach got hired because of his defensive schemes. How much does this defense need to improve to take some pressure off Zach Wilson with just additions and everything that they've done this so far off season? I mean, I, I think it does have to improve a good bit, but I think they have every reason in the world to think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look and you have to see last year, a lot of people may not have noticed it, not a big deal, especially because it happened to the Jets, but Carl Lawson went out for the season before the season even started. Um, Lawson was a quality pass rusher with the Bengals, like really underrated um, how good he is. And just great guy, great team guy. And then he, what, I think tore his ACL last year. So he's coming back. They got Jermaine Johnson. You've got Sheldon Rankins, Quinton Williams, Solomon Thomas on the inside. Um, you, you've got Sauce Gardner out there now. Their, their cornerbacks really aren't that bad. Linebackers are not, not, not shabby. Um, and then I think the pass rush is really where I think they're going to step up. And I see no reason, especially with Salah as your coach, like they should be better this year. I mean, they weren't great last year, but I think part of that was losing your main signing out in the pass rush with Lawson going out and now coupling him with Jermaine Johnson as a rookie. Like I like, I'm not saying they're going to be best defense in the league. Of course not. But I think they're going to be a whole lot better than they were last year. And I think they could be a little bit underrated. You've got to, if Sala is able to work his magic, I know it was a little bit hard for him last year, you know, going from defensive coordinator to head coach to now head coach. You just can't do everything the same way you used to. But if he has a little bit more under him, a little bit more comfort level, and is able to work with those guys some, like the talent seems to be there. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, if the D steps up, what, Bill, what do you think is the expectations right now for Zach Wilson in year two? Uh, I mean, 
with the team that's put around him, if Zach Wilson is a above average quarterback, I think this team is a chance to be a playoff team. If Zach Wilson takes a huge jump, like and becomes like a top ten quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, because last year he was a he was a bottom. 10 quarterback in the NFL. Like he just wasn't that good. Yeah. He, he, he started to play. Yeah. End of the season. He played well. If he's a middle of the pack quarterback, they're a, they're an average NFL team. They're there because that team's really good. But if he takes a big leap this year, they're a, they're a 11, 12 win team. I have them as a nine or 10 win team. So I think he'll be at least an average quarterback this year. I don't think, I don't see him jumping huge. Uh, but I think he'll make a lot of good strides. I mean, you kind of have to with this, like with what you have around you. Um, so I, I expect Zach Wilson to be really good. I was, I like Zach Wilson. I think he's got uncoachable type of talent. Uh, like he's just really a unique talent. And so I think if he can put it all together, I mean, he beefed up this off season. I think they said he put 10 to 10, 15 pounds of muscle, uh, cause he was small coming he out looked, of BYU. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll help him and it's not going to, I don't think affect his throwing because he's a very torque kind of thrower. He throws with his, with his core rather than with, with like his arm more. I mean, yeah. he throws with his arm, but you know, I mean, you know what I mean? But he, he, a lot of his power and stuff comes from his core and his legs than his, his upper body. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be a really good quarterback. I mean, you get Garrett Wilson, you get Elijah Moore for a, hopefully a, a, a whole off season, healthy and ready to go. Um, you get Corey Davis. You got two great tight ends. Like mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a, a really good team. I, I I think they're going to make a huge leap this year. I'm, I'm really what surprised think... you didn't just mention to the, the running back crew too. Um, I mean, oh, and Brees and Mike yeah, Carter. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, and I think I think right there. Like again, remember this is a a 49ers tree. Right. Yeah. Like you've got Salah coming from the 49ers, but the defensive side. But you have Mike Lafleur as the offensive coordinator. And now you're looking and they went out and they got two really solid tight ends. And then the, the offensive line beefed up some. You've got Garrett Wilson in there, even Braxton Berrios as an additional slot receiver. So like wide receiver, like all the skill positions, really solid. Um, they, they gave him everything he needs. Now he just needs to step up. All right. So I got one other question for you, Josh, with this step up. Okay. We talked about the defense being better, and they should be because they have they they have more players to add to that defense. Does Zach Wilson's productivity tie into Robert Sala keeping a job? See, it is in New York, and that can be a bit mm, of a higher that's pressure why, market, right? Um, but I would have to like. I would imagine they would have to severely underperform. I mean, we're talking under five wins for Sala to get fired this this quickly. I mean, I don't know. I some some teams just have a really short trigger. Like, yeah, I don't. When it comes it. to head coaches, yes, I agree. They don't let that but, team develop with them. But I think if if Zach Wilson is healthy and they win fewer than five seasons, I think Sala could be gone. But I would be surprised at that. I think he would at least get through this year, unless it's unless we're talking about like some severe mismanaging going. You know, if they're yeah, I mean, playing tough, if they're playing, I mean, like talking 
clock mismanagement. Um, seems yeah, like Dallas. Dallas Cowboys. I was say this isn't Dallas. So I yes. was going to say like, yeah, I mean, honestly, some of that Mike McCarthy type time management, um, as well as just like any signs that he's lost the locker room. But he I don't see that. Like but... the type of coach that guys like. Yeah. Now that can turn quickly, but um, I. I really like Salah, so I'm probably biased. But I think they do well enough that he keeps his job. Okay. All right. And and I guess we'll finish this this division with Dylan's favorite team, um, the Buffalo okay. Bills. I'm a loyalist. I'm a Bucks fan. I got my Bucks shirt on. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, Dylan, I'm going to give you a softball. So you can knock it out of the park. Is the departure of Brian Dable going to hurt Josh Allen? No, it's Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, uh, like you're, if we were, if, if Buffalo was hiring outside of the team for their OC, it might be a little different, but they, they, um, uh, it's not Kafka. Who is the, the OC? Um, I wanted to say Kafka, but Kafka's in, um, Chicago, I think. Uh, or no, he's in he's in New York. He's a he's a um, the Giants OC. Um, he is. I'm looking right Ken now. Dorsey? Uh, Ken Dorsey? Dorsey. That's right. Yeah, it's Dorsey. Um, Dorsey's uh, been with the Bills for the last couple of years under Brian Dable. He's been promoted, um, so they're keeping a lot of stuff the same. Dorsey's going to give his own influence, but uh, I think it'll be uh, more. How can Dorsey call a game? more than put a game plan together, but you have the ultimate eraser, just like we say with Patrick Mahomes, if Ken Dorsey, if Andy Reid calls a bad play, you have Patrick Mahomes and he can make it work. If Ken Dorsey calls a bad play, you have Josh Allen, he can make it work. Uh, and so I don't, I don't see really much of a dip. Um, there might be a little bit of a slow start in terms of just scoring, getting up to pace, but I think by mid season, end of the season, they're going to be, a dominant force. I don't even think they'll have too much of a skipping of a, like too much stuttering at the beginning of the season. I mean, maybe the opening drive of the year, opening two drives, but I think after that, I think he'll, he'll get it under his belt and it'll be fine. You think it helps that Dorsey is a former quarterback and played in the NFL? Yeah. It helps Josh get a better perspective on, on he, the Dorsey knows what Josh is seeing. Right. And he can, he can explain it to him a little bit better. So okay. I think it'll, he'll be fine. All right, um, Josh, I'm going to ask you this one because I think Dill would probably get a little upset if I did. Um, last year didn't end so well for the Buffalo Bills. The defense kind of fell up short against – I mean, granted, it's against Patrick Mahomes. Are they going to be as dominant as they were last year? I mean, they added players. They've, they've made themselves better. Are they going to stay the same? Are they going to be better? Maybe a little I, worse. Man, looking at this team, I lean towards saying better, which is crazy to think because <laughs> they were a dominant defense last year. Like they were they were dominant, and part of that has to do with the offense as well. You know, good offenses make defenses better. Good defenses make offenses better. Um, but this defense, like my goodness, you're looking up and down. And what? Tredavious White was out most last year, right? He's coming yeah, back. He- he tore his ACL, I think, around or New Year or not New Year's Thanksgiving. Okay. Yep. So he was out a good part of last year. He's coming back. You brought in Kyrie Elam too. So there are two quarterbacks. 
Like they were a tremendous you team. Yep. And now you've made two quarterbacks better. Then you brought in Von Miller. And then honestly, looking up and down, like they're a young defense. Ed Oliver isn't that old. Greg Rousseau is really young. AJ Epinesa, um, Tim Settle's still pretty young. They brought him in from Washington. Boogie Basham. You know, like, man, they have a lot of young players who should only be improving. And then True. they added Von Miller. They get back Tredavious White and they drafted Kyer Elam. And I'm just looking at it thinking like, holy cow, they might be better than last year. Obviously, you have the, the possibilities of injuries. Right. You know, if you lose a couple of these guys, you know, I think Matt Milano needs to do a little bit better than last year. He was a little disappointing at times. But overall, like, man, they were dominant last year. And I don't see much reason for regression because why would you regress? Oftentimes regression has to do with like considerable aging and slash or departures. They have not lost many guys and most of their defense is rather young. You know, they, they brought in an old Von Miller. Daquan Jones is not a spring chicken, but he's only 30. Um, you know, I just looked up Shaq Lawson because it feels like he's been around for a while. He's 28. Like, they're a young defense. They are. With some, like, significant – I think the defensive line has decent depth as well. Man, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how – if this defense can somehow step up and be even better than last year. What do you think, Dill? Yeah, I mean, it's your Josh, team. It's your team, so I, I got to give you a little bit of a – Josh hit it on the head. I mean, they're just they, – they loaded up even more. Like it wasn't like okay we we had four bullets last or we had six bullets last year and we're down to five. It's like they had six and they added an extended mag. Like they <laughs> they said we we're, we have more in the in the gun. And I think they're getting a little old in the secondary with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but that I don't think is going to cost them much. I mean they're starting to replan and de- and get depth with young uh, with young talent in the draft. Um, they're a team that likes to to have a lot of draft picks to hit and to go after to fill in the rest of the roster. Um, I think their defense is going to be top five in the league easily. Uh, I mean, that's like Josh, that's assuming health. But if, I mean, when you're lining up Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, Shaq Lawson, Vaughn Miller, and you say, Hey guys, go rush for, Oh, by the way, we have Tremaine Edmonds uh, or Terrell or yeah, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Trey White, Kyer Elam covering in the back. Um, as an OC, what are you doing? <laughs> like, the, like what? Like you can't do much. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both 31. And outside of Von Miller, they're the oldest ones on the defense. Like the oldest starters. And then you mentioned Rousseau, Oliver, Lawson. And then you've got Epinesa and Basham sitting on the sidelines like, hey, let us out there. You know, oh yeah, you can just you, rotate you and rotate and yep. rotate, and they're just going to be healthy, and that's I think is going to help Von Miller stay healthy because he's not going to have to be on the field for seventy five percent of the plays. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna he can come off, but the fact that they signed guys like Tim Settle and, and um, uh, Shaq Lawson and stuff who are rel- who are young, I think Settle's 24, 25, yep. to really team friendly deals for multi years, like that's pretty impressive. So, Dylan, I'm going to ask you the last question here. This will be the last question of the night. Do you think – okay, I'll say it this way. Last game of the season, Gabe Davis just looked like a number two. Do you think he stays as a number two? And if yeah, so, 
Are him and Diggs going to be that combo? You know, we talked about it last week being, you know, in Philly. Is that going to be the combo? It looks like you need to have a good solid one-two punch in this league. Is Gabe Davis that, that number two? And with him and Diggs, now that Cole Beasley's gone, is that the combo? Yeah, I think that Gabe Davis kind of had a coming out in the uh, the, in the playoffs in the in the in the playoffs as a whole. But I think he he showed flashes over the last two years, and they've given him kind of the Josh Allen treatment of like, hey, you don't have to be the guy. We're going to develop you. We're going to see what you do uh, because you've had Cole Beasley, you've had Emmanuel Sanders, you've had other guys in front of him to learn from on top of Stefan Diggs. Um, and, and you have all of these guys here uh, that are helping him. I mean, think about the talent and the guys in front of him that he's been able to learn from. Like Stefan Diggs, one of the best route runners in the NFL. Emmanuel Sanders, been around the corner a time or two and is a gr- really good NFL receiver. Cole Beasley, a solid middle-of-the-field slot receiver. Like, you've had guys to learn from. And I think he's he showed talent. He showed he's an athlete. He showed that he can be he can step up in big moments. And I think he's going to see. I mean, you got Stefan Diggs on one side. You're not doubling Gabe Davis. You're focused on Stefan Diggs. So you're going to have a lot of really favorable matchups on the other side. And Gabe Davis isn't a small dude. He's six two two ten, and he can run. So I think um, I think he's going to have a pretty big season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing for a thousand yards alongside Stefan Diggs um, this year and has 75 plus catches, like I wouldn't be surprised one because the bills throw the ball a bajillion times, but also because Gabe Davis is a talented receiver. So they're banking on him being that guy because they let Cole Beasley walk. They let Emmanuel Sanders walk. uh, And they're, they're banking that Gabe Davis is that guy. I mean, they did bring in Jamison Crowder, who I think is a really he's a who's a younger Cole Beasley, essentially <laughs> uh, does a lot of the same things. Uh, but they they're really banking on Gabe Davis taking that next step. And I think he will. I don't think he, I don't see him being like a Jamar Chase T Higgins, like them being that type of combination or a Mike, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin type of thing. Um, uh, and uh, I I think. I think there'll be a there'll be a, a tier two duo. There'll be a top end tier two duo. There'll be a really formidable duo. They'll have a, a, a legitimate number one and a legit number two. But who knows? He might uh, he might surprise us and become an elite level wide receiver this year. But and I, I will. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they'll be really good. Okay. Well, but guys, again, I'm biased. Yeah, guys, we talked just about the AFC East tonight. Give us some comments how you feel. You know, we put ours our four through one, um, as well as our, our comments during the, you know, breaking down each team. Um, as always, we love to hear those. And uh, we will talk to you next week. See you.